Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. I'm your host, Joanna DeVoe, and this is a happy, hippie place where magic with a K meets the law of attraction. Hi, thanks for joining me for episode 134 of Hippie Witch, magic for a new age. My name is Joanna DeVoe, and I am the tarot-wielding, deep-soul-diving creatrix behind Kick-Ass Switch, putting the K in magic, and Hippie Witch, the show you are listening to right now. I also have a free ebook by that name, Hippie Witch, Peace, Love, and All That Good Shit, and you can pick up a copy of that at www.joannadevoe.com or back on the description page for this episode back at Blog Talk Radio. And we are now officially in the middle of our October theme of the Tarot. And we are moving on to the second two suits in the Minor Arcana. The first week here in October, I talked about the suit of swords. Whoops, my fan just fell. (laughs) I hope you didn't hear that big loud crash. Interesting, fan, air, swords. It fell right on cue. (laughs) The second week we talked about cups and this week we're going to talk about the suit of wands and then next week, the last week, we will talk about the suit of pentacles. I also on Thursday shot a video or posted a video on the major arcana. So by the end of October, I will have covered kind of sort of every card. I didn't do a breakdown of each and every card, but I really wanted to give you a few sweeping gestures that could help you learn the tarot system, really, perhaps from a different point of view if you're a longtime reader or if you're a beginner, give you some ideas that you can really sink your teeth in and start to understand the system as a whole because it's 78 cards. Each card interacts with the others, and so it gets a little intimidating (laughs) when you try to learn the tarot in the beginning. And in my opinion, the worst way you could do it is to sit there and try to memorize all 78 cards. It's much better to maybe get a grasp, at least in my opinion, on the Major Arcana first, which I said in that video. If you haven't seen it, um, I hope you go back and check it out. I did notice (laughs) when I was editing it, that I was talking much more slowly than I usually do. And um, so I hope it doesn't drag for you because it's not my usual, like, super bubbly personality, but I wanted to speak to beginners, like people maybe that don't know me that just stumble on that video for the first time. I was hoping (laughs) to convey my message and go slow because it gets overwhelming um, when you're trying to cover something as large as the major arcana, which I tried to do, and which I think I did to some degree. It's also very hard to photograph a bunch of tarot cards all at the same time I have found because there's so much detail in each card. I On the blog, I did a pictorial uh, guide to the tarot, to the major arcana, and I picked my three favorite decks, the Happy Tarot, the Tarot Illuminati, and, oh, Alexander Danilovs. It's That's the most beautiful tarot I've personally ever seen. It's Italian. It's gorgeous. 
Um, I have been reading with it a little bit, but it's so lovely, and the cards are a little bit too flimsy to use on a daily basis without beating the crap out of them, but definitely qualifies as one of my favorites. Anyway, I photographed, um, like in rows of three, I broke the major arcana into three different sections, and it was it was a bitch trying to get those <laughs> cards photographed. Um, but they're there on my blog if you want to look at that. And then rounding back around to today's subject, let's talk about the suit of swords. If you've been listening to this whole series, you already know that I work with the suits in a particular order that is not necessarily traditional. I actually don't hear people too often, or maybe never, I don't know. I, I rarely hear someone mention that the suits have to go in a certain order. But I have noticed, you know, when I get a new deck or if I have a book on tarot, typically the wands go first. And this has just never sat well with me because of the way I, the metaphor I use for practicing magic, which is I use the witch's pyramid, as I've talked about. I won't go into that again here. Um, but then I also use a particular order just metaphorically. This isn't how I read the cards. This is just how I think of the suits in terms of a representation of how magic works. So I reorder the cards in this order that I'm presenting them here in October. So air, water, fire, earth, which would be swords, cups, wands, and to beat a dead horse, let me just repeat. (laughs) The suit of swords for me is the mind, and that to me is where you set your intention, that's your imagination, that's the beginning of all like magical spells, in my opinion. Um, And then hopefully that idea, that intention creates some emotion in you. You get some feelings that are in alignment with that. You start to hold a vibration with that, and that is represented by water, the suit of cups. From there, you've got the idea, you've got the feelings. Hopefully that launches you into a place of fire and wands, will, action, making it happen, and then you move on to be silent, a place of stillness, pentacles, where it can all come into manifestation. Again, that's just my opinion. That's just a metaphor I use, but that is why I'm working in this particular order in October. (laughs) Um, I said something really funny that I did not mean to say last week. I was on a roll talking about this process, (laughs) this manifestation process, and I was using the birthing process or the making of a baby, actually, when I said this crazy thing. (laughs) But I meant to say, you know, the moment that we're conceived is really a moment when the wands and cups come together, like come together, (laughs) if you get my drift, to create a darling little embryonic pinnacle. And I actually instead said it's really a moment when the wand and the sword come together (laughs) and I had no idea I said that but when I listened back I was rolling on the floor that was such a funny piece of imagery to me (laughs) it immediately brought to mind um I don't even never know. I don't know if I've even seen this whole movie. I think it came out in 1989, um, Skin Deep with John Ritter 
has a scene that I have definitely seen many times. It's so funny. Um, it's all it, the entire scene takes place in the dark in a dark room. <laughs> I'll just make a long story short. Two men end up, they think they're going to have sex with the same woman, and they're both wearing glow-in-the-dark, and they have a fight. So all you see are these two erect condoms. Like, one is red and one is blue. It's like the Force. (laughs) Um, It's like Star Wars, Battle of Wills, but um, it's the wands and the swords. I hope to God you're following me. Maybe I should post, okay, I'm going to post that, a clip of that on Facebook, and I'm going to see if you love me. If you actually listen to me, you will go like that post. (laughs) As soon as this show is over, I will go grab that clip off of YouTube and post it on YouTube. And if you love me, or if if you're even just curious about this um, sword and wand battle of the glowing condoms um you'll go check it out and give me a like so i know you're actually listening to me (laughs) and then before the show i post you know i always make my little meme to promote the show to tell people what i'm talking about that day so the one i made today featured some of the um it featured the witch's tarot some of the wand cards from the witch's tarot and i very very purposely put the queen of wands and the king of wands together because the king of wands in that particular deck has the most devilish grin on his face. He's sitting on his throne. He's holding one wand in the other hand and then his more personal wand that he carries with him everywhere he goes, if you get my drift, he is definitely grabbing that and holding it in a very like, oh, me, man. This is my unit kind of way. It's underneath like a red cloak, but you can clearly see his fist and that he's holding something and he's like looking directly at you with this smirk on his face. So I put a little funny, I put the like a thought bubble over the Queen of Wands head and said, is that a wand in your pocket or are you just happy to see me? (laughs) Um, And I think actually the Pulling out the Queen and King of Wands is a is a good place to start talking about the suit of wands because I think that he makes an interesting foil to the Queen of Wands. Um, he is fire of fire. He is all fire, all will, all lust for life, um, and apparently his own body parts. <laughs> um, but she, the Queen of Wands, Obviously, all the wands represent the will and that fiery energy. But the queen of wands' will is felt on a more energetic than an active level. Like his is more projecting and hers is more emanating. Her will radiates from every cell. She is the personification of charisma and confidence. She's sexy and freakishly magnetic because she's the point where the reps, the res, can I say this word? <laughs> She's the point where the receptivity of water, the cups, reaches the boiling point when you add fire, the suit of wands. Um, and then, like I said, the king is just straight up fire meeting fire. So I think that's a really interesting way to look at how the will presents itself in the feminine and the masculine. And I'm not talking about gender. 
I hope that I hope that you're with me on that. <laughs> we all have the masculine and the feminine within. It is fitting that these suits be represented or these cards, excuse me, be represented by a man and a woman because that is the human personification of the masculine and feminine in its most cliched form. Um you know, but the Queen of Wands, you know, any man can have a Queen of Wands moment and does many times in his life, many times in his life, some more than others. There is in magic, actually I, I encountered this first in Wicca, which I'm not a Wiccan, but um, I've studied Wicca and I find it to be an interesting religion and uh, that's where I first encountered this and not as much so in the world of tarot, but obviously those two overlaps. There's a discrepancy between what the wands and the swords represent. I myself don't understand this discrepancy because clearly the wands represent fire. (laughs) I laugh because I know those of you who see it the other way around are yelling at me right now, but I can't hear you, la, la, la. Um, This is my personal take on it. I see the wands as fire and the swords as air. I think most people that read tarot see it that way. Every single deck I've ever bought or looked at represents them that way. But I just wanted to mention for those of you who see it in the opposite way that um, I acknowledge you and I totally, I know that that's a thing. I'm just sharing tarot as I understand it. There are a lot of reasons why I see the wands as representing fire, but the first just kind of like gut instinct off the top of my head idea that I have around that is that I'm a movie-centric pop culture fan. So I've always seen magicians and sorcerers depicted with wands that shoot fire from the tip. (laughs) Um, And then you see the knights and warriors in movies and TV shows with swords that slice through the air. And they're both very active, but in really different ways. So um, I just wanted to make a note of that. That's why I personally see the wands as representing fire. And the will, the will. So in the witch's pyramid, we have, you know, um, to know, to dare, to will, to be silent. For me, that is to know the swords, to dare the cups, to will, the wands, to be silent pinnacles. As I keep saying, hopefully you'll just memorize that by the end of the month. <laughs> or you'll just like roll your eyes every time you hear me say it. Like, shut up, stop it. We heard you the first time. Um, Kim Huggins, who wrote the Companion Guide to the Tarot Illuminati, first just let me say, I just found out last night that, or this morning I should say, um, I am interviewing Kim Huggins on November 1st. So I'm going to end this tarot theme for October on Samhain. Before we move on to the theme of storytelling in November, we're going to just grab one little day out of November to wrap things up, talking to, in my mind, the goddess of tarot, a tarot genius who (laughs) I have already said so many nice things about I'm like actually ashamed of myself for saying more nice things but I can't stop I love her she wrote the complete guide to the tarot illuminati and she says of the ace of wands that 
um, she puts a little subtitle for each card in the complete guide to the Terra Illuminati. Sorry, I'm, I got excited <laughs> trying to tell you that I was interviewing her, and now I'm like, wow, interrupting myself, which I have a knack for. Each card in the tarot is given tons of detailed, thoughtful explanation in this book. It is an amazing book for anybody who wants to learn the Rider Waite Smith system, and I highly recommend it. Um, so, for the Ace of Wands, I already said this, but let me repeat: the Ace of each suit, like, represents that suit in its purest form. So, the subtitle that she put with the Ace of Wands is the thrust and lust of life. And I love that that culminates with, you know, the king of wands, with especially that card I was just talking about, that particular king of wands, the thrust and lust of life. Yes, it represents the will. And I did a show this year at some point, I don't remember when, called Do As Thou Wilt, Shall Be the Whole of the Law, Unless You Are an Asshole. <laughs> and I don't think anybody gets to decide that for you. There, That's another um, bone of contention in the magical community is like, you know, people that practice the left-hand path often will say, Do As Thou Wilt, Shall Be the Whole of the Law. And then it gets more complicated when they add like, Love is the law. <laughs> but I think just do as do as you will because you're going to anyway. But a great way to think about the will from a higher perspective is getting into alignment with divine will, with your soul's mission, with your soul's will. And that is where tarot can really come in handy because it can, like I said, it can bypass your conscious mind and tap into your psyche or the messages of your soul. And so in that way, you can align your will with a higher calling. Um, so I don't know. I feel like the will gets a bad rap. And I feel like this is a hangover from the Abrahamic traditions. It's really made its way into the New Age community. And also Wicca, you know, harm ye none, which is, I'm going to say something maybe controversial, but I think it's impossible to harm ye none and live this life. I think that death is a part of life and pain is a part of life. And I guarantee you 100% you have killed a living being in your lifetime. I'd be willing to bet you've killed a thousand living beings in your lifetime, be it an ant, be it a plant, be it a mosquito, a spider, or a whole cow. Um, and I think it's naive to try to pretend that death and pain and suffering does not exist. I think it's noble and honorable, if a little bit naive, to say harm ye none. And I, I totally live my life with the intention of not harming anyone. I never want to hurt someone else's feelings. I never want to make someone feel bad about themselves, much less kill them <laughs> or break their leg. Um, so I'm not saying, like, that's a bad thing. I'm just saying, like, again, with the tarot, because that's the theme, um, there, you know, there has to be a balance. There has to be a light with the dark and a dark with the light. It can't be one or the other. There, It's about the oneness in duality, so to speak. 
Um, and it's also, just because I see I'm running out of time and there's other things I want to talk about, it's also interesting to use the suit of wands as a demonstration of the play between odd and even numbers because you can really see it acted out in the suit of wands. So if you have a tarot deck on hand, I recommend pulling the suit of wands out and then lining it up and looking at how the odd and even numbers how the energy like changes between the odd and even numbers. And there's like a movement there. Last week I talked about how the masculine suits of the wands and swords, they tend to typically culminate in negativity, and then the feminine suits tend to culminate positively. And of course every reading is different. This is just a really good learning device um, it's not set in stone, but I like that idea. And um, it's similar when you look at the odd and even numbers. If you look at the even numbers as yin, the feminine, and the odd numbers as yang, the masculine. So yin unites, yang separates. The feminine, the suit of cups, the suit of pentacles, receives holds, contains, nurtures, and if it goes too far, it stagnates. It was sunny and beautiful, and this whole room just went dark. That was creepy and kind of cool. Yay. Happy fall, everybody. (laughs) The masculine, the suits, um, wow, sorry, I totally lost my train of thought. The masculine Let me just say to backtrack, I think I said the feminine, the cups, and the pentacles. Yes, that's true, but also we're talking about 2, 4, 6, 8, 10. Specifically, we're talking about the even numbers, the masculine, swords and wands, but also 1, 3, 5, 7, 9. For some reason, it's harder for me to count odd numbers. Um, It divides and conquers. It projects and ignites and instigates and impregnates. But if it goes too far, it's it's kind of like the scorpion who not only wounds the other, but itself in the process. So if a Scorpio stings you, it's also stinging itself. It's killing itself to destroy you. So the masculine gone too far destroys. And again, this is not set in stone. Every reading is different. There are so many different ways to interpret each card. This is just a cool learning device and an interesting way of looking at the cards. Talk about some weird stuff now. (laughs) I used to work in a balloon shop. When I was a teenager, I worked in a party store called Celebrations. And I was taught to always put the balloons together in odd numbers. So we would put, you know, you could have a bouquet of three balloons or a bouquet of five balloons, but never a bouquet of two balloons or four balloons. That was just not done. And it immediately made sense to me because I'm a very visual person and four balloons did not look right, but five balloons somehow did. And I think that's because there's something eerie and unsettling about... A room, for example, like moving on from balloons and thinking about interior decoration, you know, it's not 
it's considered bad form to have a room that is perfectly balanced. So a couch with matching end tables, with matching lamps, with a mirror over the top, and matching pillows on both sides. That is eerie and unsettling and uncomfortable. There has to be a spike in that visual horizon of furniture, picture frame, lamps, and plants to keep your eye moving or it stops and stagnates. I hope you're able to put this with what I'm saying about the odd and even numbers of tarot. This is making sense in my mind. Let me know if you're going with me on this journey. I would love to find out because sometimes I just feel like I'm talking to myself here, even though I know that there are bunches of you listening. Fashion is like this too. If it's too balanced, if it's too matchy-matchy, it looks stale and personalityless. It's not interesting. But if you throw it off, throw a look off kilter just a little bit with one shocking element, it brings the whole thing to life. And this is the same with beauty, like a beautiful woman. I can't remember, I think this was a video I did. I don't think it was an episode here of Hippie Witch, but I did a show once on a French term, um, jolie laid, jolie lad. I'm not really sure how to pronounce it because I'm not French, but it roughly translates into ugly, pretty. So, um, you know, we typically think of a beautiful face as being symmetrical, um, but that's not entirely true. Yes, symmetry is very pretty and attractive, but when it's taken too far, I think that's when you get these like plastic surgery monsters, like people that age themselves or they don't even look human anymore because the focus is so much on creating that symmetry fence of the whole. So yes, symmetry is beautiful, but that beauty becomes extraordinary and touching and moving and special when something is just a little off, when the nose or lips or the eyes are just a little bit too large, like think Uma Thurman, Penelope Cruz, Sofia Coppola, Angelina Jolie. They are not perfect. Angelina Jolie's lips are too big. Uma Thurman's nose is too big. Penelope Cruz's everything is too big. <laughs> but they're gorgeous. These are the most fascinating, beautiful faces to look at in the world. And they've made millions of dollars off of it because we can't not look. So, um, you know, what I was talking about, how you can stagnate in a certain suit or in a certain card, I talked about this quite a bit in the video for the Major Arcana, so you might want to revisit that part if you um, didn't catch that or go check it out if you didn't even watch the video. I talk about how... Spending too much time in a card, it can be a positive thing, but if you don't move on to what's next, then it flips around and becomes a negative. So the symmetry found in the even numbers flips around on you. Does that make sense? <laughs> um, so let's say we have a little bit of time here. Let's talk about some different cards, and maybe that will help what I'm saying here. I love the Nine of Wands. I really love it in the Tarot Illuminati because it depicts like a big, huge, like, muscly man, and he has definitely been through a lot of battles, and you can see he's been wounded, but there he is holding his wand, ready to do battle again. So for me, the Nine of Wands really represents the wounded warrior. <laughs> they have been through cards one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. They have seen all manner of shit, and there they stand, proud, 
wise and willing to pick up the wand once more and do battle once more, maybe from a, a wiser perspective. But then if you get to the Ten of Wands, you see a man walking up a hill. He is going toward what looks like a very glamorous destination, like a castle or a big fancy house on the hill, but he is very far away and he is burdened by the heavy load he's carrying, ten wands on his shoulder. And um, that can be heavy. That can keep you from reaching your final destination. That can be burdensome. If so you have a choice there. It's like, all right, I'm going to plow through. I'm going to sprint the rest of this way because I'm carrying all ten of these intentions with me up that hill. Or you can lay your burdens down. Um, the Four of Wands is a really happy, celebratory-looking card. We're still early on in the suit, and people are like, yay, party, look at what I've manifested. <laughs> but then you immediately move on from there to the Five of Wands, which shakes that energy loose, and it becomes a um, conflict. Um, I, I like, to again, mentioning Kim Huggins, that she represents talks about the Five of Wands as representing contest and a contest of wills, even just amongst yourself. And it's about growth and expansion more than it is about conflict. I've run out of time. Um, uh, Five of Wands is about strengthening the will, and it's an important part of the creative process. So don't despair if you pull the Five of Wands. We're all out of time. I really enjoyed talking about this suit. I think I got a little, like, all over the place, but I had a lot of fun talking about it, so I'm going to go post that video, I promise. So show up on Facebook and let me know what you thought about today's episode <laughs> and the condom war, the glow-in-the-dark condom. The glow-in-the-dark condom war. Don't forget, we're doing shadow work for the psycho-spiritual wheel of the year. You can buy that module right now. It's the winter transition. And this is your last opportunity to do the wheel as an entire year and a day because I am taking it offline next year at this time. Until we meet again, talking about the suit of pinnacles next week. Much love to you. Peace.